Amen. All right, guys, if you got your Bibles, y'all go ahead, open with me to the book of Acts. We're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 4. And again, I'm going to do my best here to, uh, to, to really, in the next, the next couple minutes here, just for us to really fix our mind, our eyes on what God has for us in His Word. So I'm going to do my best to communicate that in a way that's going to keep you awake. I just need you guys to uh, commit to say, you know what, I, I'm locked in, I'm focused, I'm, I'm paying attention. So if you're locked in, say locked in. All right, that's not very good. If you say, if you're locked in, say locked in. There we go. All right, all right. Got your Bibles? Yes, right. We got more up there if you don't have one. Acts chapter 4. And, uh, and while you're turning there, I want you to think of a word. Um, I gave you a word last week. Does anyone remember what that word was? Huh? Radical. Thank you, Mason. Somebody listens to me. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Radical. Here's a new word for you. Uh, and maybe similar, but bold. Y'all say, say, say bold. I want you, what do you think of when you hear the word bold? Huh? Confident? Okay. What else? Straightforward? Okay, the thing on the Google slides. All right, yeah. Wait, who's someone said? Um, someone said strength. Who said that? Strength was that? I thought I heard that. Okay, yeah. Exuding undeniable presence. Did you just Google something like exuding undeniable presence? All right, okay. Thank you, Webster. Okay, so there's there's a there's a trust there. There's a, a faith aspect. Okay, so in that y'all have to kind of described what words come to mind when you think of bold. What actions come to mind? Like, tell me something that like that's bold. Like, if someone give me an action. Okay, firefighters, right? Like that's bold. Going up into a burning like the building everybody's running out of. You're running into. Okay, that that's that's bold. That's definitely okay. What else? Okay, missionaries. All right. What what actions were you saying, man? That's bold. Huh? I'm sorry, Becca. I still can't hear you. Punching someone in the face? Oh, I mean, yeah. It's there's lots of words I could use to describe that, but bold. That's probably one of the words. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. Huh? Jumping off of a cliff, like into water. Okay, yeah, um, that's definitely a, a cliff diving. That, that's that's bold. Right? That takes that takes a lot of a lot of courage, right? And so, yeah, one more, one more. Jumping out of an airplane, absolutely. Emily really wants to jump out of an airplane. Uh, I have no desire to. If the plane is working and functioning, you know why? Why mess with that? You know, no, no, no need to. Uh, no need to. to try to splat on the ground. But but definitely, it's people jumping out of airplanes and people uh, here in the Army and the Airborne, right? That's that's bold, right? There, there's a lot of actions. But, but here, I want you to think through, and y'all were kind of getting to it with uh, talking about the faith aspect, and someone said missionaries. But I want to look at what does it look like for us, or what would it look like for you to live bold in your life for Jesus? What would it look like for you to live as a follower of Christ with boldness. Um, and, and we're going to be looking at two people in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, who I believe are boldly living out 
a life of, of following Jesus. And so we're going to see, see a couple truths here that I want us to pick up on. So Acts chapter 4, if you're with me, say a word. All right, now if y'all remember, we last picked up an Acts, who, who did we encounter when we were there? Huh? Yeah, but last time we were in Acts though. Not last week, but the, when we were last in Acts. You can look at chapter 3 and it'll tell you. We, we, we encountered someone special. Yes, the lame guy, right? The guy who was crippled from birth. Not lame as in like not cool, like, you know, Chaz. No, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. He's not here, so that's why I can say it. It's okay. Um, no, no, no. Not, not, not lame, is that, but lame as in crippled, right? He could not walk since birth. Peter and John show up, and what happens? He, he asked them for what? He's asking for money, and what do they say to him? They said, hey, I don't got silver and gold, but here, what, what do I have? And, what, and what, what do they tell him to do? Right, get up and walk. Say, so I ain't got silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Stand up and walk. And you remember in Acts chapter 3, this man who's been paralyzed since birth stands up. He's jumping, dancing, running. And, he, and, and where were Peter and John heading to? The temple, right? And so now he's gone into the temple, and all the people that passed him going into the temple, they all see him now running and going crazy, and they're like, what's going on? And so if you get to the end of Acts chapter 3, really um, Peter and John just lay the gospel out to, uh, to these people. Like they just, and there's not, it's not like the nice, neat gospel. It's like, yeah, the Jesus, you know, by the way, the guy who you killed, the one who you crucified, but God raised them back from the dead, right? He's the one doing all this. And so now, after having basically preached the gospel to these people, after seeing the crippled man walk and run, now we're picking up in Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. So here we go. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed. <laughs> and, and because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So again, get this, Peter and John, they through the power of, of Jesus, they, they raised this lame man to walking, and not just walking, but leaping and running. He goes into the temple, he, he's telling everybody, they're like amazed what's happening, Peter and John share the gospel. They're like, this is Jesus who did this. And who gets mad? The Sadducees. Look there, it says, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, that's a religious sect there that were one of the ruling classes there in the temple. They, um, <laughs> again, verse 2 says, they became greatly annoyed. Right? I, I want you all to just think about that for a second, right? They just witnessed God do something incredible. I mean, miraculous. Someone who had not walked since birth. And what we're seeing here in God's word is that people can witness the miraculous and they can be annoyed by it. They can witness a legitimate movement of God and not be stirred in their hearts towards love and faithfulness, but they can be annoyed and upset at it. And that's what we see happening here. And, and, and it's interesting because the people who are most annoyed in this moment, and yes, it is the temple, so that has some precedence for why it would be these people because they're in their domain. 
but it was the religious people. It was the it was the the leaders, right? The ones who studied and who knew the word of God, right? These were the people who the rest of the Jews were looking at to emulate and to follow. These were the knowledgeable ones, the teachers. And these religious people were upset at seeing a movement of miraculous. If you think back throughout the rest of the Gospels and, and as we go through Acts, we're going to see that, uh, and, and you already have seen through the Gospels, that um, it's, the Roman government gets upset, right? Why does the Roman government get upset? Why, uh, Dylan? Yeah, it's causing riots, it's causing disturbances, right? And so here's the thing, with the, with the Roman government, they don't really care what you believe, right? As long as you're, as long as you're paying taxes and you're, you're, you're following Caesar, and primarily as long as nothing changes. The Roman government's main priority is status quo. Keep everything the same. Don't ruffle feathers. Uh, maintain how this has happened. Because you got to think about it. If you were one of, the, um, one of the governors, the Roman governors controlling an area, if there was a riot or a disturbance in your area that, that you allowed to take place, you didn't squash it, like dramatically, it was your head, right? The emperor was coming for you. And so these guys, these guys are functioning out of self-preservation because they know, hey, if, I, if the status quo doesn't maintain, then it's on me, right? I'm going to get taken a beat. And so, and so what I think is we're gonna, you, we encounter people in the Gospels who just want to keep the status quo. You encounter people who, when things do change and when they encounter the miraculous, that they're upset and annoyed by it. And what I want you to see is you're going to encounter those very same people as you are following Christ. Specifically, if you make the decision to live out a life of boldness and following Jesus, you will encounter people even amongst the church who are going to be annoyed by you. Your faith is going to annoy them. Your willingness to do what they're unwilling to do will annoy them because it shines a spotlight on their own unfaithfulness. And so we see that happening here with the other religious people to where Peter and John, they just literally, God works the miraculous through them and now they're annoyed. And not only that, but get this um, in verse four, it says, uh, or no, verse three, it says, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day where it was already evening. So not only are they upset and annoyed, but they had them arrested. They didn't really know for what. They just kind of figured, figured out some sort of charge to grab them with. Like, we just, we'll figure out what to do with these guys later. We just got to get rid of them right now. And so they throw them in prison for the night, and they're going to figure out what to do with them the next day. And, and, and so not only are you going to encounter people, if you choose to live boldly for Christ, you're going to encounter people who are annoyed by that. You're all, but, but in that, you're going to encounter opposition. You will encounter opposition of people who are opposed to what you're trying to do and who will seek to stop you from living a life of boldness. Maybe that takes the form and they're just trying to slowly just kind of squash that flame that Jesus is, is building, in your, building up in you, just this, this, this desire to live out boldly. Maybe they just, want to, they just want to kind of quench that, right? They just want to kind of um, put that out a bit. And you know what? You just give it a little bit and that'll fade. You just... You just wait, you know, you just get, get, give, it, give it some time and, and you know, you, you'll be like the rest of us. It's like, no, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be like the rest of you. I want to follow Jesus. I want to live boldly, right? So maybe there's going to be someone that just kind of comes and tries to 
quench that. Maybe you have someone who legitimately comes up against you, right? Like you're sharing the gospel and you have someone who is who is aggressive and antagonistic towards you, right? There's parts of the world where if you try to share the gospel, the exact same thing that happened to Peter and John can happen to you. You can be thrown into prison. There's people right now who are being murdered for their faith, for their proclamation that Jesus is Lord. That would have killed you in Rome back then, right? To say Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. If you say Jesus is Lord in some parts of the world today, that'll still kill you. And so there's, there's people who, if you're choosing to live a life of boldness, you will experience opposition. But look at what happens here. I love this. It says, they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Okay, so let's say that's you. All right, Ryan, Pastor Ryan, I'm going to make the decision to live my life boldly for Jesus, and I'm going to follow him, and you make that decision, and you do it, and you get arrested. All right, how do you feel? How are you? Huh? You're like, well, that was dumb. Thanks, Pastor Ryan. Last time I listened to you, get got arrested. Well, hopefully you weren't doing anything that illegal. But um, you, you, have, you, you take that step of faith, you take that step of boldness, and it lands you in prison. Are you starting to regret what you did a little bit? Are you maybe a little bit fearful? Are you maybe a little uncertain of what the future might hold? Right? Surely some, these are normal human emotions. Like, okay, I've just been thrown in prison. What's going on here? I was just going to the temple to pray, you know, and boom, this happens. Right? Peter and John didn't wake up that day hoping to plan or to start a riot and end up in prison. But that's what happens. But watch this, verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. That's so cool because... Even though if you choose to live boldly for Christ, even though you will experience opposition, God still works in spite of the opposition, right? Even though Peter and John were arrested, God still worked through the word that he preached through them so that almost 5,000 people, men were saved. Specifically, it says men because it doesn't always calculate women and children, not because they're not valuable. That's just how they did it back then. And so what, that can, what we can imply from that is there were likely other women and children there. And so that number is probably much higher than just 5,000. And so the, the cool thing there is that, is that God is working through Peter and John, working through their faithfulness and their boldness in their faith, even when they experience opposition even when to the point that they get arrested, right? That's not good. We're looking at that like, this is a bad day. I'm not normally in prison, right? But even when they're having a bad day and they find themselves at the end of it in jail, God still works through that in spite of the opposition. Uh, The power, and again, I love that it says the power is in the gospel. It's in the message. Look at it. It says um, in verse 4, it says in verse 4, Many of those who had heard the word believed. The power was in the preached, spoken message of the gospel. And those who heard it believed. And so we get that same, same privilege, right? I'm not promising that um, if you look, reach down at the, at the lame guy in the corner, you know, the crippled guy, and say, you know, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. I'm not promising that he's going to do that. Now, Jesus can do that. He very much can, and you might get to see that. But what I can promise is that God will work through his word. 
And if we're faithful to proclaim that message and to preach the gospel and share the gospel as we go, we will get to see God use it because it's the power of the message that leads to salvation. um, Romans 1 says it's the gospel that is the power to salvation. So it's as we share the word, as we're faithful to share, as we're bold in sharing, then God works through that, even though we might experience difficulty, opposition, uncomfortableness. I'm sure it wasn't fun being in jail. But let's keep reading. Verse 5, And on the next day there are rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. little context for you, that's a lot of the same little crew that helped get Jesus on the cross. That's a lot of the same little crew there that got together and said, hey, how can we get this Jesus guy arrested, right? How can we, how can we, what can we charge him with? How can we get him out of here? So this same little crew is gathered up now. And uh, in verse 7, and when they had set them in the midst of them, that's Peter and John, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, mark this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Now, verse 13, I love this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that good? Isn't the guy, I love this scene, right? You have Peter and John, they get arrested. They don't, you know, they don't really know what the charges are. They, they, we'll just figure it out tomorrow. They pull them up in front of everybody. All right, what are these guys doing? What can we charge them with? And they're talking to them. And they're like, listen, like, if you just want us to explain what happened here about how this crippled man walked, well, we'll tell you, Jesus did it. Yeah, the guy that you killed, God raised him from the dead, and now he's working through us, and he's healed this man, and now he's living and walking. And, 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 and then just in their faithful sharing, because they are so, you guys described those words earlier, right? They were confident, they were daring, they were bold. And it says that they saw the boldness, right? I love that. It says when they saw the boldness, there's something about boldness that is visible. That people can, like when you're bold, you take a different stance and approach to life, to the situation. It was visible to the people that Peter and John were exhibiting and walking in boldness. And it says that when they saw their boldness and they perceived that these were uneducated common men, they were astonished, they were amazed, right? These aren't the best, the brightest. These people aren't really smart. This is a couple of fishermen, right? What are they doing? But what they had also seen was this. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. I just would ask you guys, what would it look like for you to live a life of boldness for Jesus? A life that it's evidenced by how you live. People can, would look at you and see, man, 
I don't know what else about him, but I know that guy is bold in his faith. I know he follows Christ with boldness, right? What would, it, what would your life look like if someone were to describe you that way? What would have to change? What would be different about you right now? How would that change how you interact with your parents, how you interact with your siblings, with your, with your friends here? How would that change how you interact with people at school or whatever sort of extracurricular activities you do or, or how you interact with people in your neighborhood, right? What would have to change in your life for you to be someone who walks in that type of boldness where it's evident? And, and is it, would it be true that people would look at you and say, that person walks with Jesus, that they could see that, they could recognize it. Again, I don't know, I don't know what else about them, right? These people didn't know Peter and John. They're trying to figure out what they're doing. They're causing a riot. They're, they're just trying, they threw them in prison because they didn't know what was going on. They don't know them, but what they do know is they're bold and they've been with Jesus. What, what, what would your life look like if those two things characterized you? That you lived out your faith boldly and that people would look at you and say, they've been with Jesus. You see, um, we're going to experience opposition. But when we're given a chance to speak, and you're going to get a chance to speak. When given a chance to speak, speak truth. Speak truth. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people... A lot of people don't go all the way. They might do something bold. And then when they actually get noticed for it, and when they actually get put on the spotlights, or they experience opposition, then they kind of shrink back. Right? You you try to live your life, you try to live a life following Christ and, and sharing with people and talking to friends, and then somebody pushes back and all of a sudden, you're no longer speaking the same way. You're not saying things you would have said because you're thinking about how the other person is going to think about you, right? You're worried about what they're going to think about you or how they're going to feel. And now you're no longer living a life of boldness because you're changing what you would do or what you would say based on the opinions and the thoughts of others. That's not bold. That's, that, that, that's, that's not living a life of courage, of faith, that, that's living a life of trying to please other people. But when we're trying to please not anyone else but God, then ultimately we don't have to worry too much about that. I love here, you're going to see it here in just a second, we're going to wrap it up, but I want you to see this. I want you to see this before we do. Verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing else to say in opposition to love that. They, they saw the guy there who was healed, and because of his testimony, they couldn't say anything, right? It's like, well, we can't really debate it because there's the proof. There's the guy, right? We can't, we can't say anything. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. So these guys, they get together and they're talking, and they said to one another, what should we do with these men, right? For, for a notable sign has been performed, that is evident in all of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, in the name of Jesus. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And listen to verse 19. 
But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So for more than 40 years, this guy has been crippled from birth, has never walked. He's been outside the temple day by day. Again, everyone knows him. Everybody sees him. And so it is evident to everyone that a miracle has taken place. They cannot refute it. The testimony of the man is right there. The evidence is right there. But when it came time to actually speaking, right, Peter and John, again, remember, they were put in prison, but they were given a chance to speak. And when they spoke, again, they're talking to their captors, the people who arrested them. There's a great temptation for them to maybe shrink back a little bit, for them to maybe get small, for them to maybe change their language and their message to be more appeasing to the people who they're talking to. <laughs> but they didn't. Again, verse 19 says, whether it's right for us to listen to you or listen to God, you can decide. But as for us, we choose God. We can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. And ultimately, that should be what represents us as well, is that we shouldn't be focused about what other people think, what they care about, what they're going to say, how me choosing to live boldly is going to affect them. What about my friend? If, you know, I don't want to make my friend uncomfortable if I'm trying to share Jesus with people or if I'm, I'm, if I'm reading my Bible all the time and I'm talking about what God's teaching me or I'm trying to invite people to church. or I'm, you know, Whatever it looks like for you to live boldly in your faith, you might think, well, my friend's going to think this about me or it's going to make them uncomfortable. You can't worry about that. You can't worry about what's going to happen with them. You got to worry about God. And is it right for you to listen to man or for you to listen for God? And so when you get a chance to speak and you will speak, speak truth. Speak of what you've seen and what you've heard. If you have a testimony that you've seen God work in your heart, you've experienced new life in Christ, share that. Don't hide back from that. That needs to be told. That needs to be lived out. And I promise you that you guys, if you choose to do that, you say, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm choosing now to live a life of boldness in Christ. I want to follow him. I don't want to be held captive by the opinions of other people and, and, and in chains to them. I want to just serve God. You will encounter opposition. And it may even come from here. It may even come from people in the church. But in spite of that opposition, God is still going to work. And remember, what was Peter filled with? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you can trust that when you do get an opportunity to speak, if you're following Christ, the Spirit will give you the words to speak. He will speak through you. And God will work in spite of the opposition. And you'll get to see God still do miracles today. right? Because every time we see someone go from death to life, that's a miracle. Every time someone responds in faith to the gospel, that's a miracle. And you get to be a part of that. And it's the message that brings the transformation. And you've got the message and you've got the spirit. And so just go and share it. Just go and live life to boldness. And don't be afraid of other people and what they think and bound by their opinions. You guys go and live and see what God wants to do with that. Because that's when we're going to see God doing awesome things. Let me pray for y'all.